Good? Have it a good day. Oh, nice. Nice. Thanks for those beautiful tunes, Sammy. Loved it, mate. Absolutely beautiful. Hey, uh, it is such a privilege to be here in Port Lincoln, the shortest flight I've ever been on in my life. Literally take off and land. It was, it was literally just... I did question whether I was going to make it um, alive because that, that plane looked more like a toy than a plane. Um, but we did get here, so praise God. Uh, like Josh said, my name's Sam, and uh, I, I do lead you for Live South Australia and um, do that with my wife, Hannah, who is uh, heavily pregnant uh, right now. In fact, she may have a baby this weekend. If she does, I'll be jumping on a plane. I don't think that's going to happen, but she is pregnant. She is so massive that... You could stick a pin in there and just like one of those balloons, bam, it would just pop. It's that tight. It's crazy. So uh, it's nuts. So uh, that's us. And uh, we've, um, before we were uh, in Adelaide, we led a youth ministry in a place called Murray Bridge, which is a lot like uh, Port Lincoln, actually. Similar population, similar vibe. Um, so that was really cool. So we led a youth ministry there for five years, grew up in Murray Bridge, and then became a city slicker at the start of this year, okay? So... Uh, I'm not all city. I've got the country vibe deep inside of me. You guys are going to draw out my inner bogan this weekend, all right? Let's bring that out. Let's bring out those big South Aussie accents. Amen. Awesome. So uh, so that's us. What did you say? Fair dinkum. Howdy. How you doing? I feel like to speak like a South Australian, you've got to get a lot of, you've got to get that nasal, you've got to speak from your nose. Get that nasally kind of vibe going on. That's cool. Hey, I'm really excited for what God wants to do this weekend. And I don't think you're here by accident. I don't think I'm here by accident. I think we're here because God wants to do something in us. And I think that you specifically are here because God decided it was a good idea for you to be here. Um, And whether you're here by accident, whether you're here because your parents made you be here, whether you're here because Josh made you be here, I don't know why you're here. But whatever reason you're here, I think you're here because God wants to do something in you. And tonight, I really want to share about what God wants to do in you. Uh, and the next time I'm speaking at youth is Sunday night, and I'm going to be speaking not just about what God wants to do in you, but what God wants to do through you. Because I believe that this conference is going to be a catalyst for this youth ministry to see a bunch of new people get saved, to see God do amazing things through your lives. So I'm believing that God wants to do something in you tonight, but by the end of this conference, He's going to be doing things through you. And we're going to see some awesome stuff happen. Does that sound good? A little bit about our story, just to, uh, this isn't a part of my message, but I thought, I mean, Josh knows this, but I thought I'd just let you guys know because. Um, because it's cool and encouraging, because I hope that you guys are believing for God to continue to do something bigger and more and more amazing through your youth ministry and through your church. And um, back when we started in Murray Bridge, we had a youth ministry of about kind of 15 young people. Um, And over the five years, we saw that grow to 250 young people. And so I want to let you know that God can do anything through anyone, anywhere. And if you guys will get fired up for what God's doing here, I guarantee you, you're going to see a move of God here. And I know that you've got leaders and pastors who have the best flipping hearts and passion for Jesus. So this guy here, you've got to get behind him and believe what's in his heart, because I know that he's believing for outright crazy revival in this city. And, uh, and you've got to thank God for having leaders who are passionate, who are fired up, who are pumped uh, for what God wants to do, because anything can happen when you've got guys like this leading the charge and people like this fired up for the kingdom. It's flipping awesome. So praise God for that, hey? Who's believing for that? Who's believing for some big stuff? Come on, who's ready to shake it up? Shake the Coke bottle, so to speak, and let it pop. Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then I'm going to preach. God, I thank you for this word tonight. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us, 
I pray tonight, Lord, that this word would just come alive. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would just take these natural words and I pray that you would make them supernatural. I pray that even as I'm speaking, that hearts would be set on fire. I pray right now, Lord, that the spirit and the presence of a living God would fill this place from the ceiling to the roof. And I pray, Lord God, that hearts would be set ablaze. I pray that we would leave, come on, this conference this weekend different, full of faith, full of belief, full of your spirit. Lord, I'm just believing for everything that you want to do. We love you, and we pray that you would do awesome work in the wonderful place of Port Lincoln. Everyone said amen. Amen. Shout out to my man Pete at the back. Who loves Pete? Come on, we all need a bit more of Pete in our life. That's what I reckon. Awesome. Oi, uh, I want to tell you a bit of a story, a bit of a funny cracker uh, to open tonight. Uh, who has heard of this word called floorjobe before? You ever heard of that word before? Do you know? No? Oh my gosh, guys, this is exciting. Floorjobe. You never heard that word before? Okay, let me explain it to you. So floorjobe, right? It's very simple. You're gonna, but the penny's gonna drop in your head in a minute. Okay. Floor drobe is this. It's everything that's meant to be in your wardrobe on the floor. Right? Now, who's got one of those bad boys? Come on. That's right. You're getting married, so yours is about to get done, brother. You're gone. So, uh, I had one before I was married, too. It was awesome. And, uh, and the reason I love it, right, it's all about convenience. You know what I'm saying? So, what I love, now, I don't want you to get too visual with this, is I love just go. I used to love going home. And uh, you come in from a hard day's work, you know what I'm saying? You've been out sweating, and, uh, and you come in, you think, you know, I want to go to bed. So what do you do? You get in your room, you take your pants off, you step out of them, and you jump into bed. You know what I'm saying? You're done. And then the next morning, you just step right back in, come on and pull them back up again, and you're done. You know, it's easy. You don't need coat hangers. Your parents have been lying to you all your life. You don't need a coat hanger. So uh, I, before I got married, emphasis, uh, before I got married and my life got cleaned up by my wonderful wife, uh, my dysfunctional life, uh, I used to rock the floor drove pretty hard. And uh, I remember one day, uh, I, I, um, I like jeans. And uh, this is before um, it was like a uniform in Adelaide to have holes in your jeans. This is when jeans were whole without holes. Um, and, uh, and I remember waking up one day and walking down the street and I had my hands just kind of like on my leg like this. And I felt this lump, right, on my leg. And what I realized had happened was a sock, right, from the, from the morning before, was stuck in my pants, right? So I go down like an alleyway and I pull it out. And I'm like, oh, that's really funny. So I go and tell Hannah, who's my wife, I say, hey, this is so funny. Uh, I, you know how I always leave my clothes on the floor? And she's like, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> she's like, that's going to change, you punk. So, so she's like, oh, wow, that's not funny at all. I'm like, there was a sock in there. And she's like, <laughs> like, not funny. Uh, clean up your clothes. So, so I thought it was really funny. A few weeks go by, and uh, I'm sitting uh, in church, like you're doing right now, assuming a church pose. You've all got one, right? You're all rocking that inside. I, I like to do the old, uh, the old nurch and perch, I call it. You just put the ankle up there and perch it. That's one of my typical uh, church poses. So I'm sitting in church one Sunday morning uh, with Hannah, and uh, we've got a bunch of young... This morning, in particular, there was just a stack of youth girls uh, sitting around us. So it was me, Hannah, and a bunch of girls. And I'm sitting there doing the church perch. And, uh, and I put my hand on my ankle. And I felt um, another bulge there again, right? And I'm like, oh, this is so funny. I'm like, I'm a bit of an attention seeker. I'm not going to lie. So, so I'm there. And I'm like, oh, this is so funny. There's another sock, right, stuck in my, my ankle. So, so what I do is I, 
I lift my leg, right, above everyone, and I call attention down the whole row, and I'm like, hey, you got to suss this out, man. Take a look at this. This is so funny. Girls, everybody look. There's a sock. Suck up my pants. So I grab my hand, and I stick it up there, pulling out what I believe to be, right, a sock, and I yank it out for everyone to see, and it's a pair of three-day-old, moldy, disgusting, sweat-ridden undies. You know what I'm saying? And everyone in the row just freaks out. I'm like, Pastor Sam, why are you showing us your undies? You know? And, I, and I'm like, um, I'm imagining like newspaper articles, creepy youth pastor shows under. I'm like, no, like it's terrible. So, so uh, it, was, it was horrid. And, and all the girls just freaked out. And I didn't know what to do with them. So I just stuffed them back up there. And, um, and so for the rest of a church service, I'm just waddling around like with my legs together, uh, hoping that no one knows. It's crazy. It's funny and awkward. That's my life, dysfunctional. So that's why you get married. Good job, mate. Um, and, and these things get sorted out. Uh, and it's kind of funny, right? When everyone saw those undies, they were just like, right? they leant back. Because that's what happens when you pull out your dirty laundry. You know what I'm saying? People get afraid, right? When we use this word dirty laundry, who's heard that before, right? Your dirty laundry. We're not just talking about like your undies that you've worn 10 weeks in a row, okay? I'm not talking about that. By dirty laundry, I'm also talking about the stuff that we don't know. We don't want people to know about us. You know what I'm saying? There's stuff that we carry that we don't want people to know about us. And some of it's stuff that we've done wrong. Some of it's stuff that we're going through. Some of it's stuff that's happened to us. Some of it's that we've done to other people. But we all have stuff in our life that I would call dirty laundry. And the reason we're afraid to talk about it and the reason we're afraid to bring it out into the open and the reason we're afraid to have a conversation about it sometimes is because we're afraid that what's going to happen to us will be what happened to me. The once everyone sees it, they're going to lean back and go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to come near that. And so what do we do? We, we kind of stuff it away, right? We hide it, and we kind of just pretend like we're not going through anything. We pretend like everything's okay. We pretend like, man, I'm just fine. Everything is perfect. I am the pinnacle of spirituality. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am, I am absolutely perfect. Nothing to see here, people. I haven't even had a filling in my life, in my teeth. I am that perfect. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and we kind of point, hey, man, have you never had a filling? Bless you. My mouth is a filling. Legitimately, I have $2,000 worth of dental bills I'm currently working through. So um, anyway, so, so this is what we do, right? We, we hide it away, we tuck it away because we don't want it to be seen. And, and we're afraid of people seeing it because we're not really sure how they're going to react, how they're going to respond. And so we just think, hey, it's better, right, just to kind of cover it up. It's better just to tuck it back up the pants, you know what I'm saying, so to speak, so that no one has to see that again. It's kind of two people in life that I reckon we could categorize people into, right? The first kind of people are people that I would call uh, me too people. Everyone say me too. And me too people we love, okay? Let me explain to you what a me too person is. So friendships, right, are born. C.S. Lewis, he says this, friendships are born when one person says to another person, me too. In other words, you say something like this. You're like, man, I love Lord of the Rings, right? And they say, come on. Me too. And then you're like, I like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hey, I get that. So, so that's when friendships are born. When one person says to another, me too. So if I was to say, right, uh, I love double quarter pounders. Come on from McDonald's with beef. Come on and cheese. And you said, that's right. I would say we're friends. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, I, if I said that I hate fidget spinners, right, you would say, 
right? And I would say, we're friends, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so if I, come on, if I said, um, I like cookies and cream ice cream, right? And you said, come on, come on, you would be, right? We're friends, right? Because friendship is born when one person says to another person, me too. Why? Because me too people make us feel like we're not alone, right? They make us feel like we're not the only one going through what we're going through. We're not the only one who feels the way that we feel. When one person says to another person, me too, suddenly that person no longer feels like they're doing this alone. When you say, hey man, I'm struggling, and someone else says to you, hey, I've been there, me too. Do you know what that does for someone? It says, hey, I'm not alone in what I'm going through. I've actually got someone doing this journey with me, and I now I feel like I can make it. We love me too, people, right? Everyone say me too, right? But here's the thing. There's another category of people that we don't like, right? And these people are called not me people. Everyone say not me. Not me people are people who pretend, right, like literally they cannot relate to any issue in your life. If you went up to a not me person and said, hey, man, I'm just sort of struggling with temptation at the moment, they would just be like, not me, never done it. Hey, man, I'm actually feeling like really down today. You ever felt down? Not me! You know, hey man, like I, I actually got really angry at my parents because my parents did something I didn't want them to do, and, and, and I just, I don't know how to deal with it. Not me, man, my parents are perfect, 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 you know, and you're just like, what is wrong with you? Like, and, and what not me people do is they make us feel like we're alone. They make us feel like we're the only ones going through what we're going through, and that doesn't help anybody. It makes us feel small. It makes us feel isolated. It makes us feel like there's something wrong with us and that maybe we're not going to make it through what we're going through. But I want to read a scripture to you today that I believe can radically alter and change how you feel about what you're going through and how you feel about how you feel. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16 in the message. I want to read this to you because it's powerful. You ready for the Word of God to change your life? It's powerful. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It says this, we don't have a priest, and it's talking about Jesus, okay? We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. This scripture is saying that we don't have a God who, unlike every other God and every other religion taught, who is somewhere way out there and has no idea what it's like to be us. That's not what the Bible's saying. No, it's saying we have a God who isn't somewhere out there, but who has come down and lived a life that we have lived and gone through what we've gone through. And to everything you felt and to everything you've experienced, he says, me too. If you said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm struggling with feeling alone. Do you know what he could honestly say to you without making it up? Me too. I was alone once. If you said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm struggling with these desires and temptations, do you know what Jesus could say to you? Me too. I struggled with temptation. I had to fight the same things that you are fighting. Me too. 
He said, Jesus, I feel rejected. Jesus, I feel like people have turned their back on me. Jesus, I feel like I'm not going to make it. Do you know what? Jesus could honestly look you in the eye and say, he could look you in the eye and say, me too. And that is something greater and something bigger than any God or any other religion on this planet can say to you. Because every other God of every other religion is way out there somewhere, completely disconnected with what you're going through, completely disconnected with who you are. But only Jesus says, when he has come, live the life we've lived to everything we are and everything we're going through, he says, hey, me too. And do you know why this is good news? Because when you know that you serve a me too savior, it frees you to be a me too Christian. When you know that you have a savior who is used of identifying with people who are struggling and hurting and are broken. It frees you to stop feeling the pressure to be perfect, to stop feeling the pressure to perform, to stop feeling the pressure like you've got to keep it all together and be free to actually be who you are and to actually talk about what you're going through and to actually be yourself. Jesus isn't a not me savior, come on, who's distant from your reality. He's a me too savior who's right in your reality and who knows just what it's like to be you. I don't know about you, but that is good news to me. It frees me and it makes me feel that no matter what I'm going through, I am legitimately never alone. Not now, not then, not ever, because I have a savior, come on, who says me too. When I am... Um, Went on my first date with Hannah. We went to a French restaurant. Oh, you know, um, it was great. I was so nervous that when I went to pick her up, I I sat in the passenger seat to drive. And then I realised it was the, this was not America, you know. And I went back round and I got I was like completely out of my mind, right? Because we grew up together, right, from like year three. Um, and then we got separated for three years, and then she got hot, and I grew up. And um, and, and when she came back, uh, she was on like she was touring this band for like three years. And when she came back, I was just like, Wah! and I couldn't talk to her. I was that nervous. So, um, so we went on this date, and um, and it was crazy. And and we're sitting there, and and I um, I like to um, kind of for me, what can be safe and easy rather than being real is playing what I like to call the charisma card. Okay. So the charisma card is just crack jokes, joke after joke after joke after joke, right, to avoid talking about anything deep, right? So, so I'm there, and we're having this first day, and we're eating, like, snails. No, we're not. But, but we're sitting there across from each other, and I'm thinking, like, I am killing the first date game right, right now. I am, I am pelting this out the park. So I'm just telling joke after joke after joke, right? And she's laughing, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I am killing this right now. You know what I mean? Put a ring on it. So, um, so I'm sitting there thinking I'm hilarious, and then she gets this look in her eye, which I later come to recognize every time it, it possesses her. Um, she gets this look in her eye, and she, she, she stops laughing, and she folds her hands in front of her, and she puts them down on the table, and she just looks me in the eye like, you know, like, she doesn't blink. My wife's eyes are huge. They are massive, big blue eyes, gorgeous. So she's looking at me, and uh, she says this to me. This is our first date. She says something that no guy ever wants to hear, right? I'm going to be vulnerable with you. And I'm like, oh, no. Fuck. Fuck. Ridiculous. You know, so, so I'm sitting there, and she says, I'm going to be vulnerable with you, right? And so she says, 
um, I, I want to let you know before we go any further in this, and I, I'm not concerned about how you respond because the way I live my life, Sam, is I'm honest. And the way I live my life is I'm true, not just about, you know, where I am right now, but where I've been. So she, she sits there and she starts laying out, come on, and our first date's getting real heavy now, like every wrong thing that she's ever done in her life, like legitimately, like all the major failures, like the big dirty laundry stuff, come on, hidden up your skinny jeans that no one wants to see. She's laying it out, right? And she's saying, I did this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, oh, and this, and I've thought this, and I nearly did this. And she's, she's laying it all out on the table. And, and as she's speaking all this stuff and laying all this stuff out for me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I catch myself under my breath saying like those golden words, right? Like, me too. Like, I've done that or I've felt that or I've done something, saying, me too, me too. And, and, and by the time she's kind of halfway through, I'm, will, I'm ready just to tell her, hey, just stop talking about your junk because now I'm ready to pull out mine. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it was like something about what she was saying freed me to say what I needed to say. And, and something happened in us in that moment that was so special that formed the basis for our relationship. And, and she said, you know, hey, take it or leave it. This is who I am. And I remember going there and pouring out my heart to her from that point and saying the same thing. And we said, hey, we're willing to take each other as you are. And, and, and the thing, the question that was in the back of my mind, the reason I could only tell joke after joke before she opened up is I was asking this question. What happens when Hannah doesn't see me as funny, preacher, pastor Sam? What happens when she sees me as broken, struggling, hurting Sam, who's just like everyone else? What then? Will she still love me? Will she still like me? Right? The question that I was asking was, if my struggles become visible, will I still be valuable? And that's the question that every one of us are asking in this life. If my struggles become visible, will I still be valuable? It's the question that holds us back from saying what we need to say, from talking about what we need to talk about, and being who we need to be. We're afraid that if our struggles become visible, that we will no longer be valuable. But you know what I found out that night? Even though my struggles were visible to Hannah, I was still valuable to Hannah. And that was a game changer in my life. And here's the thing. It perfectly aligns to our relationship with Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is a very famous scripture that is loaded with meaning. It says this, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is basically what I say. Let me summarize it for you. Even though our struggles were visible to Christ, we were still valuable to Christ. Even though all of our struggle was visible, we were still valuable. Valuable enough for him to go to the cross and die in our place. Come on, to set us free. This is crazy. He knew your struggle. He knew your sin. He knew what you were going through. And all of it was visible to him, but it didn't change the fact that you were valuable to him. And this is why that's so important. Because when you get this, it changes everything. This thought right here. That the visibility of your struggles do not determine the value of your life. Christ determines the value of your life. He determined it when he died for you. He determined it when he gave his life for you. Because you give, come on, according to how much something is worth. 
if he gave his whole life, it must have meant you were worth so much to him. It must have meant your value was way bigger than you ever thought it was. It must mean that no matter how much of your junk gets visible, it cannot change the fact that from the inside out, you and I are incredibly valuable and nothing we can do or say can change our value, which frees us, come on, to be who we are and to be who we are called to be. That's amazing. That's amazing. It sets you free to know that everything inside of you, the stuff that people know or don't know, cannot change who you are and cannot change how God feels about you. I wonder what it would look like if tonight we made a decision to be honest with God for the first time, about how we're really going and about what we're really going through and about how we really feel. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been struggling for a long time on the inside. This is the thing I know. But the moment you make that struggle visible to Christ, the moment you bring that struggle into the light, he will heal, he will set free, he will restore. Come on, he will build you up into all you're called to be. All you have to do is give it to him. All you have to do is make it visible. All you have to do is say, God, I'm bringing what's on the inside out and I'm giving it to you. And I'm saying, would you use me in the midst of what you know about me? And his answer to you tonight will be yes. His answer to you will be yes. Yes. I use broken, messed up, hurting people to change the world. People like you and like me change the world not because we're whole, but because we're broken and we know the one who is whole. Jesus was never in the business of employing perfect people to do his will. But imperfect, broken people with a perfect and unbreakable God can do amazing things. You know why I love the theme of this conference, Unoffendables? And this is a weird twist on it. Jesus is unoffendable. Your sin and your struggle cannot offend him. There is nothing that you could pull out of your skinny jeans tonight that would offend him. There is nothing that you could pull out in front of him tonight that he would look at and say, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked by that. Oh my gosh, I'm so offended that you thought that. Oh my gosh, I'm so offended that you did that. If I had known that, I would have gone to the cross. No, there is nothing that you could pull out of your life tonight that would offend him enough to cause him to draw back from you. No, anything you pull out before him will only cause him to do one thing. Lean in and embrace you for the child of God you are, for the loved of God you are, come on, and for the destiny that you have. You don't just serve a God who wants you to be unoffendable. You serve a God who he himself is unoffendable no matter who you are, come on, and what you're going through. That is good news for someone tonight. And what I want to do is I want to pray for all of us in this moment that God is going to allow us to bring to him tonight what we need to bring to him so that we might be restored, that we might be healed. Come on, that we might let weight lift off us tonight and leave this place knowing that we're loved by Jesus, 
that we're called by him and that he has significant things, not just that he wants to do in us, but that he wants to do through us. In Jesus' name. So I want us to do, if we can close our eyes around this place right now, I want to pray for you. And I think this moment is really important because I believe that if you can get this right with God now, it's going to set you up for everything else that he wants to do through you over this conference. So I want you to do something brave for me. With your eyes closed, what I want you to do is I want you to picture right now in your mind anything that you're ashamed to talk to God about. Anything that you're struggling with. The truest feelings of your heart. The truest feelings of your mind. I want you to bring them up right now and I want you to bring them to him. And I'm going to pray that right now you're going to sense the presence and the spirit of God coming and lifting off the weight of those things. Come on, why don't you open your hands right where you are right in front of you, like you're ready to receive something. And I'm just believing that right now, a weight's going to lift off in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that weight is lifting off now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the lifter. I thank you, Jesus, that nothing that we can present to you is too scary, is too hard, is too broken for you. I thank you that in this moment, you are releasing and you are calling people into destiny. Broken and hurting people to help a broken and hurting world. Father, right now, I pray against depression in the name of Jesus. Against anything that is causing people to feel deflated. I speak against that and I break it now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Some of you are waiting for like some music, some encounter, but I'm telling you right now, God doesn't need anything to encounter you. I feel right now in this moment, in the stillness, that God's going to break things open. I feel his anointing in this room. Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would break shame in this room, in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, I speak to all guilt and all shame in this place. And in the name of Jesus, I break it. Lord, I release your kingdom into this room. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person who has felt like they had to hide who they are and hide what they're going through, I release freedom into this room now because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Spirit of God, I pray that you would flood every heart that is receiving you right now. Spirit of God, I pray, let your presence come. Let it flood every single heart of every single leader, every single young person who needs to bring this stuff before you tonight. And I pray that they would be free because of it in the name of Jesus. I thank you that we're going to leave this moment different because of what you've done. I thank you that this is a Me Too church with Me Too leaders who want to talk about the real stuff. And God, I pray tonight that because of what you have done through the power of your spirit and the power of your word, that people will feel set free right now in this moment to be all that they're called to be. Father, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Josh. You're a blessing.